All right, everybody. Are you ready for a spectacular show? Introduce the original bad hombre, the amazing nerd, the hardest working Antifa boys on George Soros's payroll. With Pablo Morale Martinez and Ernesto Mancibo, only on Radio Free Brooklyn. So yeah, we're talking about um, Wasp Lady. I I don't, I don't even want to be bothered to remember her name now that she's revealed herself to be anti-mandate. But uh, I was saying to my dear co-host uh, just before we started recording, I gave her a year or two, maybe three, after her career hits a downslope where she goes full sovereign citizen. Uh, just because people who are anti-mandate um, just strike me as so uh, disconnected from society, you know, uh, calling mandates uh, tyrannical or uh, uh, or actually the favorite word of the the far right and conservatives, medical tyranny. It's like, dude, these are these are public health guidelines. We are facing the first global pandemic in a hundred years. It hasn't gone away just because we've gotten back to a little bit of normalcy. And can we really call it normalcy? It's really just the uh, the driving force of capitalism that is forcing things to a certain extent. Uh, but having these mandates in place are a good thing. They don't limit you. Uh, if they if they if they make you uh, actually face a choice in regards to your personal health care and how it relates to other people, that's called being in a society. We do it all the time in all different aspects of our lives. Uh, we just call them different things. We call them laws. We call them policies. You got to do uh X, Y, and Z number of things in order to maneuver through your everyday life. But because we have this name attached to this mandate, uh, attached to this vaccine called mandates, somehow you've allowed yourselves to be like twisted into knots over something that is really not a big deal. I mean, how do you feel about it, man? Okay, so I am... I'm look. I'm all for the mandates, mm -hmm. right? Because if we're gonna, if we're going to beat this thing, if we're going to allow, if we're going to not allow, but if we're going to try to like reduce COVID and try to like uh, make it, try to try to close it off into a box, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and and just let it kind of let the numbers of those infected uh, reduce gradually uh, until the point where, you know, it doesn't no longer becomes a problem when we don't have to continue to barricade ourselves inside and change our entire way of living. And, and, and we, we have to allow for mandates because that's look, the only way we're going to, we're going to try to beat this pandemic is if we get people vaccinated mm -hmm. plain and simple right and like uh, on one hand it's 
I almost can understand people's hesitancy, like uh, Ms. Evangeline Lilly, who is just, uh, who, a.k.a., you know, the Wasp in the MCU, mm. and Kate on Lost. Um, but I, I can almost understand the perspective of, quote-unquote, medical freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where they feel like they're f- being forced to inject themselves with, with some kind of foreign substance. But at the same time, like if you just if you just think about it for a little while, mm. like you're you're vaccinated from the moment you're a toddler onwards, mm-hmm. right? From the moment you're a baby onwards. So uh, we are constantly getting vaccinated. So I don't understand what the fuck is the problem. Like um, it's because of the rapid turnaround of the vaccine. And I think that's and I, I think that all of this f- like frame of mind is all linked back to uh, the the way that the Republicans politicized the vaccine, mm. the way that they um, have poisoned the well in terms of uh, of making it seem like, oh, no, you know, you don't know what they're they're injecting you with. And then that kind of message is propagated by the likes of Joe Rogan, who we'll probably talk about later in the show. <laughs> um, and and it, the false information spreads to the point where it's just like, you know, people are are more on the side of like uh, expressing the 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 their sentiments by waving the flag of being like, oh, we should be free to not be injected by stuff, and it's like, no, there is a virus that's killing people, mm. I, and I feel like I'm a broken record because I've said this. Um, so many times there's a virus that's out there killing people and it ain't pac-man fever i feel i feel the same way (laughs) it's uh it's it it really does um confound the mind when uh first of all to call it a debate or a conversation with these kind of people who are anti-mandate anti-vaccine uh when you tell them like there is a virus, like you said, killing people, and they're just like, "Yeah, well, there's a 99% uh, chance or 98% chance that you'll survive it." And it's just like, "Hmm, where do you get that stat from?" Oh yeah, the medical community that you don't trust in regards to the vaccine. So you're cherry picking and you're completely naked about it. Trying to reason with these people is essentially a moot point because. They're only going with what will satisfy their emotional state of being at the moment and not uh, the broader, more uh, logically constructed view of the entire situation. Um, and it's frustrating. And that that's why, personally, <laughs> I sometimes devolve to just straight-up uh, mocking of these kind of people uh, because I feel... That while some people will argue like, no, you've got to be gentle with these people and and try to bring them on board because we have a situation. It's just like, okay, I get your perspective. I respect that. And if that's your strategy, go for it. Personally, I find it gratifying to mock these people and make fun of them because they're choosing to abandon reason and knowledge and all of these institutions that we've built up over the decades with medical knowledge and research and trial and error to have the advantage in this day and age. Like you mentioned before, the quick turnaround of the vaccine. That didn't come out of nowhere. They didn't just decide to abandon 
proper research and protocol. It's because we've had so many precedents before this in regards to vaccine development and deployment where they could say, okay, in order to get this out to the public in a very dire situation, we can cut through some of the bureaucracy and keep certain safeguards in place. It's not like they're not monitoring uh, the reactions of the public to this, but they're just like, we are confident to a really, really high degree given the history of vaccines, which is extensive in this country, that we can cut through some of the bureaucracy and get this out to the public and battle something that, uh, quite frankly, could have devastated us in a way that I think a lot of people don't appreciate. A lot of people like to complain, or if you remember before the vaccine, people were complaining about the economy being shut down. People uh, can't get on with making a living and stuff like that. And that was just just with sensible uh, preventative measures put in place. Like if you can work from home, work from home. We have to limit the amount of inter public interactions that people could have. L let's say we had no prospect in regards to vaccines or anything like that. Do you think the economy right now would be as at least workable as it is? We'd be we'd be knee deep no 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 waist deep no 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 neck deep in a new depression just because that's how fragile our economy is nobody would be able to work people would be sick constantly people would be afraid constantly i agree i agree with that um but you know I, what do you say to the, what do you say to the fear of of because I, I feel like the, the the concept of this is an untested vaccine, we don't know what the long-term effects are. Um, what do you say to those kinds of, uh, uh, um, you, you know, the uh, people who think that way? Because I think that's that's the, the big fear mm, mm. that um, that is going around in these circles, in the circles of people who are either anti-vax or, like, uh, anti-mandate. Mm-hmm. I would say to those people, if you're not doing actual legitimate uh, research, and that doesn't mean getting a degree in medicine in order to be valid. It means referring to those who have uh, done that research and looking into the history of vaccinations in this country and realizing that before these vaccines, even when they're new, are released to the public after certain trials have been met, which, mind you, the COVID vaccine also met uh, many of these trials, uh, and seeing that vaccines, by and large, have no negative effect on the population. If anything, as we've seen with irrefutable proof over the decades, uh, they've had a net positive effect. And to speak to the current uh, COVID vaccine, it's not based it's not based on anything experimental just because we haven't seen covid-19 before doesn't mean that the strains in and of themselves are you know something completely unseen to humanity before they are related to the sars virus so i mean j j just to uh, just to get out of you know a whole bunch of medical uh, babble if you're not doing true research if you're just relying on the fact that oh we don't know so i'm just going to hold that position until fill in the blank 
then you're being right. you're being completely disingenuous because you're relying on emotion rather than uh, an intellectual pursuit to fully validate uh, your position. And the thing about emotion is that it changes from hour to hour, minute to minute, day to day, and that's no way to work. Or it's or or with regards to emotion, it's perpetuated by. Um, you know, uh, uh, propagandist news outlets and fault and, you know, the spreaders of false information. Mm, mm, mm. But you're not going to get any of the spread of false information here because this <laughs> is the Robots versus Taxes program on Radio Free Brooklyn. That's right. And I am Pav. And I am Ernesto. And you're listening to the only show. That mixes pull up politics and pop culture alike. Never the two shall meet like oil and water, but yet <laughs> we plumb the depths anyway for your listening pleasure. Co-host Ernesto, always great to see you, my friend. Same to you, my friend. Uh, even even across this digital divide, we still manage to keep the wheels turning on this on this train. That's right. Big wheels keep on turning. So I've heard. <laughs> Rolling on the river so, and uh, such. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And so on and so on and so on. Um, but yeah, um, it is. it has been kind of a wild week in terms of the news. I know you, my friend Ernesto... You've been keeping your your eyes and ears away from the news, given the the <laughs> constant sludge, the avalanche of depression that you know just rolls over you in like a colossal wave, where you're just like, ah! you know. Um, I am calling it self care. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And so you should. But me, I abuse the shit out of my mind, so uh, I'm constantly scanning the news for for the latest, you know, uh, you know, car crash, garbage fire of uh, political events. So Joe Rogan's back in the news um, because uh, he's on Spotify mm -hmm. and lots of artists because of of his anti-vax state like stance mm -hmm. and the 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 fact that he keeps pushing anti-vax uh information and alternate medicines quote unquote mm -hmm. you know uh, other medicinal practices that like are are scattershot at best um a lot of musical artists that are on the same uh platform as he Mm. on spotify they're leaving mm. they're deciding to pack their bags and go elsewhere so far neil young and Joni mitchell uh it's a short list but it is um as of now it's a short list but it, it, it's you know uh words going around that the foo fighters might be joining them mm -hmm. um which is i mean it's I mean, th this is this is a significant backlash, and I'm pretty sure that Joe Rogan and his defenders and his listeners will go on and say, 
you know, but, uh, you know, uh, it's his point of view. He's entitled to it, right? And uh, they're going to like, you know, they're going to say good riddance to good to awful rubbish. Mm. You know, Neil Young, who listens to him? Joni Mitchell, who listens <laughs> to her anymore? <laughs> um, and they'll continue on onwards, and then Joe Rogan or and his defenders will be like, see those bleeding heart libs, those those uh, Antifa. Uh, Gestapo, the Antifa Gestapo <laughs> is coming after Joe Rogan and his children and his children's children <laughs> and soon they'll be coming after you. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's Nazi Germany already all, all over again, isn't it? Except, except uh, <laughs> this guy, this fucking shithead, um, he, he, He's just in it for for the money. The people that he has on his show, I don't watch his show, but I hear about the snippets and the individuals uh, that are put out there in regards to this anti-vax information uh, is so incongruent, so inconsistent. He's going to talk about being anti-vaccine in regards to, oh, we don't know what's in it. There, there's no proven track record. And then we'll, and also criticizing Big Pharma, and then we'll propose these alternate medications, which are not even purposed for a virus. Like ivermectin, that's an antifungal treatment. And who produces <laughs> um, ivermectin? It's produced by Big Pharma. Like, what the fuck? Like, cherry picking again. I, yeah, I don't, I don't get that whole that 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 perspective i i i honestly don't because any kind of like further digging will see that like the results of taking ivermectin um, ivermectin are i mean i i don't think the facts lie it's like scattershot mm -hmm. like you either kind of get better or you just like take a downturn and it's ineffective most of the time which makes it completely completely anecdotal there are no studies that say yeah ivermectin is uh is uh great for this they've been it's a solid alternative right like, it's it's a solid alternative you can say the same thing about uh what's it what's it called that um it's a specific type of silver um uh, I, I, what do you mean i forget the 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 name of it but there's a a, a silver solution that some people have been turning to during the covid pandemic that say oh this will this will cure everything this will protect you from covid and any other thing that you might be afraid of colloidal silver excuse me it's colloidal silver uh oh my god <laughs> the thing is if you take too much of it you can actually turn blue that's the thing <laughs> Really? It will actually turn your skin blue. <laughs> like Nightcrawler? Like, like you'll turn it like will you get powers? Like will you, you turn well, it into the You beast? won't get powers if unless you count looking like a dumbass a uh, a power, which I suspect some people <laughs> some people do, but um it will actually turn your skin blue. It's it's a uh, it's a unique condition. If you google uh colloidal silver blue skin, you will actually pull up pictures of people whose uh skin has turned blue. Hold on a second. Let me do that. <laughs> Please do, buddy, because it is um, it's something else. It's something else. Uh, Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 
my God. Who is this guy? Oh, my God. Look at this dude. Is it the guy with the white beard? He, yeah, it's the guy. Oh, man. It looks like Santa Claus from my nightmares. Oh, man. The Gordon's fisherman just like fucking got into some radium or some shit fuck's sake look at him listeners if you're listening to this segment right now we highly encourage you to google colloidal silver blue skin and uh, join in the fun <laughs> holy shit celebrities ranging from i'm reading the wired magazine uh article uh celebrities ranging from gwyneth paltrow to infowars uh, alex jones swear by it apparently oh fuck really gwyneth paltrow fucking <laughs> I, I mean, are you surprised at Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow? I mean, come on. Yeah, isn't she like into vajazzling and like candles that smell like pussy juice? And, and it's just like, oh, just white people shit. Uh, you know, it's just. Yeah, I think Tony Stark could have done better. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, man. Come on, man. Um, let's see. Paul Carrison, 57-year-old man from the Pacific Northwest. Of course. Um, <laughs> not a subtle light wash tint either. The close. This was closer to Navy like Beast from the X-Men. This guy, the guy who wrote this article on Wired Magazine knows their shit. I like this guy. Who is this guy? Uh, Mallory oh this I'm sorry uh, I stand corrected this person Mallory Pickett really knows her shit really knows their shit I don't know your pronouns um so wow holy shit it, oh they give a before and after too oh that's just wonderful <laughs> so yeah I mean you know you can either you can either side of the side of uh you know established science uh that has protocols to vet information and be uh, properly scrutinized by other professionals within the field, or you can drink a little silver and end up blue. You know, um, it's a, uh, it's, it's a really, it's not really a choice. Like there are literally millions of Americans and uh, billions of people around the world who have taken the vaccine, who are doing well, who are significantly protected and any other claims uh, based on non-science accusations that the vaccine is causing this, the vaccine is causing that. Do yourself a favor, submit those accusations to the same scrutiny that the vaccine is uh, submitted to within the scientific community and tell me if those accusations stand up, those false accusations stand up. You'll find that it won't. It takes work because you're actually being accountable not to, not only to yourself, but history, knowledge, and science. And that's the work that a lot of people don't want to do because then they would have to admit to themselves, oh, I was wrong about something. And here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with being wrong. There's literally nothing wrong with being wrong. Yeah, but do you do you want? Uh, there's nothing wrong with being wrong, but given the the backlash of against the um uh the the vaccine and like the 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 divide within our current you know political culture, 
people are just siding with fear. People are just mm. siding with, they're just like, no, this is where we don't want to hear it. And also, uh, and, and, and that kind of, that kind of fear based regimen, mm. like that routine of being afraid of things, it like makes people unmalleable. Like they can't like admit to being wrong mm. because, you know, they just turn into the fonts. They're just like, <laughs> they just, oh, bro, bro, bro. You know, they can't just, they can't get it out because, you know, ivermectin prevents them from doing so. <laughs> it's one of the side effects I've heard. You know, it's uh, I, while I'm sure it's not exclusive to America, Americans definitely have a, a, a talent for being so, um, so committed to their feelings, even when they're wrong, that they will base history and culture uh, completely around that and i think i think it's something that um is amply demonstrated uh, during this pandemic uh, here's the one thing and i don't mean to be an alarmist but you know we're on we're on radio here and uh you know i'm just asking questions now nah, let me not use that uh, stupid ass line but <laughs> but but honestly given with the, the way the world has been the last several decades, at least within our lifetimes, we know that certain patterns uh, repeat over and over. And looking at this pandemic, uh, it it kind of makes me think this is this is a trial run for something more serious coming down the line. Will it be another global pandemic? I don't know. But pandemics, uh, pandemics or epidemics are not the only uh, uh, challenges to human health that exist in this world. Um, and something further down the line will, will come down that is more deadly, more uh, more impactful uh, to the public at large. And this thinking of fear and ignoring science and evidence is going to cost a lot of people the ultimate price. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's cost a lot of people now the ultimate price and that's with a one to two percent mortality rate with covid uh something else down the line i mean there's there's a lot more dangerous shit out there than covid um so you know we'll see what happens geez i fucking hope that it's not that it doesn't that uh, that another dangerous like uh viral strain or bacterial strain is uh just around the corner mm. But those are my again. Those are my fears, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't want to, you know, spread misinformation or be like there's something else coming along. But I do feel, I, uh, uh, you know, in reference to what you just said, I do feel that we're living in a, a weird uh, remake of that Simpsons episode where everyone gets that flu from Japan <laughs> and you know, they're all, they're all crowding around uh, Dr. Hibbert's office and he comes out on the balcony and they're like, where's the cure? And he's like, well, the cure is plenty of bed rest. Quarantine yourselves and get plenty of bed rest and drink lots of liquids. You know, there is no quick fix. And somebody's like, where is this quick fix? Is it in this truck? And then they, you know, they overturn the truck and it's just a bunch of bees. <laughs> and then the, the bee stinks some asshole and he's like, I'm cured. I mean, ow. 
<laughs> I, uh, I'm laughing because I can completely see that being real life. You know, people are just like, oh, if you eat bees, uh, you'll be protected from COVID. You know, um, all I'm saying is that uh, uh the, the the situation in zombie movies up until this point where people hide their zombie bites uh, seemed totally unrealistic before 2020. Now it's just like, yeah, no, that's totally going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you want to hear something, uh, something else that like I was like, holy shit. Wow. This is this is fucking ridiculous. Go ahead. You want to hear another bit of ridiculous news? Hit me. All right. In Tennessee, a ten-member uh, a ten-member committee uh, of McKinn County school officials voted unanimous voted unanimously this month to remove Mouse from its curriculum and replace it with an alternative, which hadn't been decided at the time of the vote, but they're banning Mouse. Uh, this is an article. This is an NPR article by Joe Hernandez, uh, talking about Art Spiegelman and how the book Mouse uh, has been banned from uh, the McKinn County uh, area of Tennessee. Okay, we're banning books now. Banning books. Uh, I I. I wish I had a scale for the level of anger that I have for book banning, especially books that don't deserve to be banned. I mean, for Pete's sake. Um, but if I'm going to choose at this point to go for the silver lining because I feel like my um, my quota for, angle, for anger is slowly being met uh, really quickly. Um, when you ban books, it just makes people want to read them more. True. And in this day and age, I mean, it's like, a lot easier to get your hands on them. True. That's also true. But, you know, this is this is a, a weird, this is a bizarre direction that we're going in where, like, the, con like, the first thing that I thought when I thought, uh, when I saw that they were banning uh, Art Spiegelman's, um, you know, memoir, uh, comic book graphic novel memoir of the holocaust mouse is i thought of critical race theory i was just like mm. okay critical race theory now the stories of the holocaust like uh i i saw so i'm starting to see a little pattern starting to form you know mm. it's like oh no 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 don't you know don't look behind the curtain everything is just fine on this end just just you know america's great <laughs> and it was always great and the world has there is no such thing as nazis nazis it's just a word that it, it's just another word for antifa you know oh, lord Ugh. but i mean it's bound to happen it was it was bound to, bound happen. to happen um the the only thing again i'm choosing to look at the silver lining the only thing is that uh the the pendulum, as it swung through history, has been slower before, given that we didn't have the mediums that we have now. Um, and I feel that the pendulum will swing back into the into into the correct camp uh, sooner rather than later um, as time progresses. Because when you deny people knowledge, is uh, when they will crave it more. 
Um, and I, I believe that we'll see that. And then these uh, school districts, these lawmakers who are choosing to ban this knowledge will have to be faced with it or run out of office, which I feel most of them uh, are essentially banking on. They're just like, look, I'm going to serve maybe another term or two. Um, I'll make I'll make I'll make some beans and then I'll get out of here, you know, and I'll let the, I'll let the next person deal with this mess. So really, you think it's just like a, a political game? I mean, this is a 10 member board mm-hmm. of school officials for this county in in Tennessee. So it's like I don't think it's a career move. Mm. I think they're trying to start something. I, I think that it is the first in a long line of of, you know, other other places, other places in the Midwest and the South and the flyover states where they're just like, uh, you know, little districts here and there where there's just like uh, just uh, painting over uh, inconvenient truths. Sure. Sure. Of course. But. Here's the thing. They they're doing this on what the junior high school and high school level. Uh, Yeah. Then these young people who uh, are being inculcated in these environments, uh, a lot of them eventually are going to choose to go to college and college is a whole different ballgame when they find themselves in remedial English or remedial history because they chose to ignore certain things that are pretty critical to just a, a, a very basic uh, American education. Um, they're going to struggle. Those people are going to fall behind and they're going to feel marginalized. And hopefully uh, the more honest among them, the smarter among them will realize that, oh, I was failed by my backward ass uh, school board or state or county uh with the banning of certain materials now i gotta catch up to uh the rest of the world um and i feel like that's going to have backlash to that generation's uh offspring because when that generation sends their kids to school they'll either one choose to to stand on that same bullshit trope of you know oh we got to ban certain books because it's bad for our children and then there'll be others who'll be like you know what I had a hard ass time trying to find a job or even just getting through college because I had these backward ass views once I actually left my little podunk town. Uh, so maybe we should take another look at, you know, limiting this knowledge. Um, that's just my perspective. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of speaks to the, was it Carl Sagan who said like, this is a, what we're seeing is the decay in, there's a decay in of intelligence there's a decay of like education that is that threatens to cur- like like derail our society like american society mm. Mm. um i think it was carl sagan that said that i'm paraphrasing of course it sounds like something um, that he would say in his uh, yeah. agent smith style voice yep <laughs> i'm pretty sure agent smith That's was right. based on him uh, I know though, though, the, um, Hugo weaving was like, I based it on, uh, the, the Wachowskis, uh, the way their, their manner of speaking, because they have a certain precise way of speaking. But I mean, I think it's definitely Carl Sagan. <laughs> I think it's, 
I mean, his the, it's the exact same thing. Yes, it it's is. Like <laughs> billions and billions, of, you know, it's like <laughs> of lives. Have you ever stared at it, Morpheus? <laughs> it's beauty. It's genius. <laughs> Morpheus is like, I, I like, I liked you better on Cosmos. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, uh, let's switch over. Of course, let's do it. The robot section. Yes, yes. Right. So, uh, what do you want to hit up first? Um, I think that we should hit up Book of Boba. Book of Boba. Yes. I feel like overall the series is kind of messy and unfocused, and but then Episode Five rolled around, <laughs> and it's just basically. It's the Mandalorian episode zero. <laughs> and that's not a bad thing. But this episode was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. And to me, Bryce Dallas Howard is slowly becoming like a contender for, to me, I, I, I think that she should direct films. I should think that she should direct Star Wars mm. films if she's, if she's going to continue bringing this caliber mm. of visual storytelling because holy shit the way it starts is so cinematic and so it brought along one of my favorite fucking science fiction concepts the o'neill cylinder i love o'neill cylinders yes (laughs) (laughs) and and uh you know o'neill cylinders is basically if you have ever seen elysium or heard about elysium or whatever (laughs) it's basically like a big it's a big donut in space um where we we live in the in the you know the tube inside the tube in giant cities inside this giant you know flying donut and the way that when it spins, it creates artificial gravity. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's it's pretty freaking awesome. And to have Boba just show up, um, a he de- he shows up in a slaughterhouse for one, <laughs> and he kills a bunch of dog people with a lightsaber in some of the most brutal ways that I've seen in in Star Wars so far. I literally yelled out. Holy shit! When he when he cut the boss in half, I was not expecting that from a Disney property. I wasn't expecting the dark saber. God, we sound, we're so fucking nerdy. I wasn't <laughs> expecting the dark saber, man. I thought he would have given that to Bo Katan, mm. but apparently he didn't, and she must be fucking pissed. Because <laughs> last we saw of her, she was just like, "I want that fucking sword," and I don't. Yeah, you know she's like peacemaker she's like i'll kill all the men women and children you know in its name uh <laughs> t- 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 just to just to get it so uh so it, it it was surprising to me when he un when the when the dark saber came out when he whipped it out <laughs> and i was just like oh oh <laughs> I was just so first of all I was hyped at the very end of episode four of Book of Boba when they were talking about hiring muscle and you just heard the Mandalorian theme start to play in the background I was just like oh shit it is fucking on and when episode five started and we were in the slaughterhouse uh first of all 
uh, I want to buy some cuts of meat from the slaughterhouse because it looks like they're doing a great job. Um, <laughs> want to slap that stuff on a barbecue, you know, put some some nice spicy rub on it. You know, it's going to be delicious. Yeah. Um, and then we saw the silhouette of the Mandalorian behind those like plastic curtains. I was just like, yes, it is fucking on. And then he hit us with the line. He's just like, I could bring you in warm. I could bring you in cold. It's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was expecting that to be the extent of, you know, uh, of the Mandalorian's appearance on the show. Because mm. after that, I was just like, okay, this is the part where Fennec Shan comes in and is like, uh, you know, I, there's this initiative. We're trying to put together a group of heroes <laughs> of, and so on and so forth. And that didn't happen. What happened was a full episode of just Din Djarin. Yeah. He was doing his fucking thing. It was the Mandalorian season uh, uh, episode zero for season three. You you totally, it was totally that. It's just like, all right, Disney learning. Really, they really know how to market their shit. I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere within uh, this Mandalorian, uh, Mandalorian season, this Book of Boba season, we have a flashback and uh, it's just an advertisement for Kenobi. Because uh, it's like it's all intermingled, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's. I, I I hope that 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 becomes the case. Mm. Um, but you know that's it. it, it it's kind of shameless self promotion within the show. I'm just like this is a book about uh, Boba. Let's not turn it into Iron Man two. <laughs> they're just shoehorning in the characters. Uh, so. Um, another thing was it's, uh, Mandalorian was exiled. He was banned. Yeah. Uh, from being a Mandalorian. Oh man. All cause all because he took off his helmet and he was honest about it. You know, he was trying to think like, oh, how can I get out of this? Uh, and he's just like, yeah, but you don't understand. Uh, <laughs> I had a cute little alien who wanted to touch my face. <laughs> <laughs> And then before that, I was just was like, you know, I was on uh, in a Twi'lek, you know, brothel. And <laughs> I had a few bucks. And, come on, I can't do it. I can't, you know, go to Pound Town wearing a fucking helmet. I'm already wearing a helmet. You know, I don't want to wear two helmets. Oh, fucking shit. That's just excessive. <laughs> But they were not. And then the armor. Yeah, no, please, please finish it. <laughs> and then the armor is like, okay, we, we've heard enough of this. The, yeah, the, <laughs> the, the, the first one with the baby alien, will that story will suffice, okay? <laughs> you don't have to bring us through your whole fucking, you know, cum-filled rigmarole. <laughs> so, so do Mandalorians, <laughs> Jesus, do Mandalorians not remove their helmets at all, even in private? Because if so, they must have like no. stinky faces, like really stinky faces. <laughs> they no, they do. They do uh, remove their helmets in private. Uh, remember, there was that one episode in the Mandalorian season one where like he's alone in his cabana mm-hmm. after teaching those uh, the the uh, native folk of uh, 
of whatever planet Cara Dune was on. Mm-hmm. They were just like, he took off his helmet and he drank some tea. Okay. And you never saw his face. And I'm just like, come on, give Pedro Pascal a little, you know, a little FaceTime, right, man. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, I mean, seems like kind of a uh, archaic rule. I bet you they're all going to change their minds about that. I mean, hopefully, because this guy's the dude. He's got the dark saber. I mean, they can't just, they can't ignore him. They really can't. No, they can't. I mean, um, not even the big Mandalorian who uh, who tried to like who dueled him for yeah. it. couldn't couldn't take it from him. Can can we talk about how cool their uh, their vibro knives were? I was just like, they didn't even like specifically focus in on them, but once you like focused in on it yourself, you're just like, those knives are vibrating. Those are vibro knives. I know those are really cool. They kind of reminded me of the effect of the the human shield on Dune. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, man, it's just. Uh, I, but one of the things, like, it was yes, it was the vibro knives. Imp- were the vibro knives impressive? Yes, but I mean, it doesn't pale in comparison to the to a lightsaber because you know his vibro. He he tried to like clash it against the the dark saber and it just like immediately just it's dead <laughs> and he just like stares I, I just love that little beat where he just stares at the hilt where it's just like oh he broke my <laughs> fucking shit you know just like fuck i paid a lot for that uh. yeah. <laughs> i i was also very fascinated by the whole concept of the dark saber getting heavier um with repeated use um uh, and the skill set of the of the wielder um seeing uh, dinjarin uh, kind of like struggling to pick it up after a few swings i was just like huh this is this is a really cool concept i never even entertained something like that yeah because lightsabers are always depicted as like well not only are they made of light but they're also they don't have much mass. They're they're light sabers. Exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but the dark saber, I'm just like, so it gets heavier. Like, what the fuck is it made out of? Is it pulling its energy from some kind of like black hole? Is it black hole energy mm. that it's using instead of like you know just a plain old kyber crystal? Oh, that's that's a really really interesting question. I I think there's still a lot of mysteries to the dark saber left that. Um, we'll learn. Uh, we'll learn more about it going forward. I'm wondering if, uh, in order for him to learn how to use it properly, he's going to have to get a few lessons from Luke. I would love that. Look, I would. I would really love yeah. that. However, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't want to see um that's that weird special effects that that face swap effect on on another i don't want to see it again. but here's the thing they um there was a guy online who actually took that sequence from the end of um season two of the mandalorian and did a better face swap of luke skywalker than disney corridor crew yeah and disney yeah. disney hired him um really yeah holy shit so i i think we'll be getting better 
a better Luke uh, whenever he pops up again. Um, and I think he may be popping up in the Book of Boba. Oh, man. I mean, as much as I would love that, I just hope I really want them to do a better job hmm. of that. Just the, 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 the facial special effect. Um, I think they should just hire, uh, what's his name? The Witcher soldier. Ah, um, Sebastian Stan. I should, I think they just should just hire him to play Luke mm. and he's game for it. He's been like, he's like, yeah, <laughs> hey, anytime Disney wants to call me, I'll totally play Luke. <laughs> I mean, he looks just like him. I, I, I don't know. I, that's that's my opinion. That's only one man's opinion. But, uh, but um, you know, I want to talk about the the episode a little further. But I know we want to touch a little bit on Archive eighty one. Yes, yes. Okay. Archive eighty one. Get into it. You uh, you've been recommending this to me for a little while, and you know, given the snow filled weekend that we had. I was just like, this is the perfect time to start it. I think I'm up to like episode four now. And I got to say, I'm really, really uh, amazed at this series. Like it, it builds atmosphere so masterfully. You're, I really feel like I'm on a journey with the main character in regards to his discovery, the environment that he's in and every new surprise and, thread of strangeness that comes across him and he's just like what the hell meanwhile he's still wrestling with a past uh episode of uh mental or emotional psychosis um that causes him to question himself a little bit i'm just like this is this is so well meshed together I, i i got it just touches me on very deep levels what do you think of it I think just um, just going back, like reaching way back to a previous episode. There was an there was an episode where um, we talked where we talked to uh, our friend Ifoma, mm-hmm. um, and we talked about um, you know black people in horror movies. It was one of my favorite bit like bits of that episode where we talk about it. And the whole time, I kept thinking to myself, you know, I I I, I was. Um, torn because i was just like like we were talking about the show them and them is is i don't know you you've expressed uh kind of uh, a reticence to to kind of watch the the film of oh, the film the the show and show and other kind of entertainment pop culture entertainment that kind of packages black pain and that I I got to tell you when you said that it that kind of um, that kind of sentiment never left me mm. like you made an impression on me I don't know if it was something overwritten or copy but it was just imp- <laughs> like you impressed it on me and I was I, I I from that moment on I was just like can horror can the genre of horror have black protagonists that you know, run the gamut uh, of, of of the your typical horror tropes without uh, feeling like it's packaging or trivializing black pain. And I saw Archive eighty one, and I was just like, "Nope, this is great." Yep. <laughs> uh, but it, it it takes, <laughs> but it, but it takes it takes a craftsman to make it to to like really kind of like understand like you were trying to tell a story and like. 
the protagonist is black are you drawing from his pain no you're putting him inside of a like a story and you're having him like uh discover different aspects of it i think i think that's fantastic Mm. um Sorry, I think I'm bad. No, not at all. It, but what do you what do you th- what do you think about not it? Not at all. No, I I, I completely agree. When because uh, you had mentioned that point of being able to wrap a a black protagonist and take black pain that's rooted in real life uh, historical trauma, societal trauma, and not trivialize it. And uh, when I saw this show, I was just like whoa this was this was done masterfully it was it 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 makes you it just makes you look at the main character's pain on so many levels including uh tied to his black identity but also just tied to him as somebody who has experienced uh childhood trauma who is navigating uh working working with a sort of underhanded giant corporation who's trying to use his skills in a certain way but at the same time manipulate him it, it's just it's just so well done um and i really hope to see more of this in the future yeah i i hope so too yeah I, uh, and i how far along are you i believe i got to the end of episode for it was it was basically the end of the episode where the seance happens and one of the residents uh of that building um they were having a dinner party and they decided to reach out to the father of the like celebrity that they had uh which the dinner party was based around and then the person who was uh, the medium for the seance started going into um kind of like the history of the <laughs> of the woman I, I'm so bad with the names but the woman who's the main character within the videotapes that our protagonist is trying to restore and is basically quoting back to her all the interactions she just had across this medium of videotape and across time with our protagonist and the woman who's within the videotape is freaking out because she's just like how could you know that and our protagonist is just like, oh, my God, this is real. And that's where I ended off. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, you know, don't reveal any anything further because I know exactly how that episode ends. Um, and it's fucking it, it is cre- creepy. Yes. Creepy as shit. Yes. Um, but uh, but uh, let's let's maybe hold uh, hold off on that. And we'll, we'll talk about it a little further. We're running out of time. So gotcha. Uh, uh, let's cap it there. Yes, yes. And uh, well, li- dear listeners, thank you for joining us on our latest installment. I am Pav, and I'm Ernesto, and together we are the Robots versus Taxes program on Radio Free Brooklyn. That's right. While you're out there, you could try keeping it real. But you should try keeping it right. Song of the week. Song of the week.